Hi, my name's Sina and welcome to another episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, a podcast that discovers the motivations and uncovers the journeys of the most inspirational young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke to Ilham, a young founder in the space of EdTech, who has already partnered up with the University of Bristol, along with gathering interest from other educational institutions, while studying and being just 22 years old. In the conversation, we spoke about how to gather support from the university and the importance of gathering a solid team when launching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast because we have got some amazing guests coming up that you do not want to miss. And if you haven't already listened to the other episodes, you're missing out. So be sure to check them out right after this one. Don't forget to also leave us a five-star rating and review as it really does help us out. Right, let's go on with the episode. So why don't we why don't we start for people that don't really know what engineer uh, to engineer is? Why don't you just explain a bit about um, what the service is, what sort of problem are you solving, and yeah, just a bit more about the project. So engineer to engineer, um, an abbreviation E two E, is essentially a communication platform for students, academics, and industry, and it's aimed to connect all these three disciplines onto one hub regardless of what type of engineering you're studying, whether that's mechanical, aerospace, civil, or structural engineering, you'd be able to get your questions answered there when you're stuck, when you have a problem, or if you'd want to learn more about a specific topic that isn't necessarily confined to your field. So the problem that it's solving essentially is um, creating an easy way for students to solve problems and to reach out to their lecturers. Um, And also systematically, it helps lecturers connect with their students outside of the university campus um, on a more broad and larger scale. Okay, cool. So how, how would it kind of work as a, as a student? If you, if, you do have, if, you, if you have a question, uh, would you go online and like how, yeah, because there's Blackboard, obviously, which I think, you know, loads of people listening are at university and use Blackboard, but yeah, it's not very nice to use. So where, where do you guys kind of come in as a, I guess you're a competitor, right, of, of Blackboard? Yeah, so Blackboard have 10% um, of the UK edtech market. And when you look at the edtech market, you'll see that there's lots of learning management systems like Blackboard, study tools, course materials, career development, learning analytics. And um, But the issue is, is that um, there isn't enough collaboration tools to kind of streamline everything. Um, And collaboration platforms kind of offer the flexibility without compromising on usability. We have seen it with WeChat and Facebook Messenger, which have proven it for social interactions, and Slack, Microsoft Teams, and Google Hangouts um, for enterprises. But for higher education, that peer-to-peer learning and support is kind of lacking and the potential is immense. And that area hasn't really been um, tapped yet. When I was in second year in aerospace engineering at Bristol, um, in the beginning of all in the beginning of all of the academic year, lecturers would say, "So, if you have any questions, come visit me during office hours." And the issue with that is that only occurs once a week. Um, A lot of lecturers also complain that they're very um, they have large inboxes and they have lots of emails, which so it's hard for them to prioritize. Um, emails to respond to directly and emails to not um, that isn't um, as um, urgent so yeah when a student is usually stuck on a problem they have four options Um, they could email the lecturer we know that takes quite long 
um, wait for an office hour, which only occurs once a week. Um, or maybe if they're lucky enough, they could reach out to a friend or a colleague who is stuck in the same problem, which is quite um, unlikely. And the final option is to try Google. But even then, you kind of need to spend more time validating the response, making sure it's correct. And if it's wrong, you don't know if it's wrong. And then it's just too late when you do find out. So what E2E does is facilitate this and provides that student that opportunity to ask that question to hundreds and thousands of other other engineers who are kind of open to help. Um, And we found that within minutes, they receive responses. which is kind of what you don't really get um, on Blackboard or other collaboration tools. Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. And I think it's something that Blackboard very much misses because Blackboard's very like internal. It only kind of works with, within that university. Um, what you're kind of saying, if I'm correct, you, it's opening up to not just that university, but universities around the UK and even perhaps the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the longer term plan. Um, we have launched five months ago at the University of Bristol and we managed to get just over 500 users and that's before implementing a marketing strategy and so that was just based on word of mouth and lecturers willing to try something different than what they're used to trying um, which was kind of good because we were kind of skeptical of universities kind of adapting a new system because we know that they use something that they've used for a long time and because they've used it for such a long period of time um, it does the job and that's kind of become the standard like it's it's good enough even though it doesn't do the job really well they've kind of just accepted the fact that that's just what they have um, so we're kind of there to break that cycle in a way I guess I guess a lot of people listening will think um, you know there are there are systems out there not just in education but out there throughout different industries where people and businesses are using legacy technologies that you know they are lacking but they've been around for so long that it's very difficult to convince people to change and but you've managed to do it so how how did you kind of convince uh bristol university to take you know take a punt on you basically it kind of um i had the stats to back it up before i kind of decided to take this on i did my research i interviewed people i asked students so what do you do when you get stuck what if you want if you had an, an assignment due the next day and you needed the question answered how would you get that resp- how would you get that answer straight away and well they said that email emailing lecturers would be um a far shoot um they'd either reach out to a friend um but even then most of the times they're usually stuck on the same thing or they kind of just accept the fact that they just don't understand it or they just don't get it. Um, so, um, and I spoke to lecturers and I asked them, so when do you know when your students are learning or how, I did some interviews as well and I asked them, how often do students come to you? And how often do you, um, students come to you during office hours or how often do students come to you when they're stuck on a question or want to more um, clarification or understanding of a specific topic? And um, one of the lecturers said they they get around one to two people visit them every week, which isn't a lot. And we, what we kind of saw in on the platform is students were more willing and they kind of gained that confidence to ask more questions. And it didn't really make them seem, um, especially in engineering, there's a stigma that 
when you ask a question, <clears throat> it seems that you're incompetent in that area, or it's a stupid question, or come on, you're an engineer, you should know this. But what that platform does is kind of strips down all these like stereotypes and um, things that you're expected to know as an engineer and just you're asking because you want to learn and people are willing to help regardless if they know you personally or not. Um, once I've kind of, um, so I approached the program direct director, Steve Bullock, and I told him, so what do you think about this? Here's the issue. I was having this problem. Um, this is what I found was really useful because um, funny story, but it actually started with a WhatsApp group um, in second year of aerospace. I formed a small WhatsApp group of five aerospace engineers and we'd kind of help each other out with coursework and assignments or like theory, if we had any troubles understanding a specific topic or theory. And um, what I saw was um, there were instant replies. So whenever someone was stuck, whether that's midday, 5 a.m. in the morning or midnight, someone was always, always going to be awake, ready to answer your question. And um, throughout the the year, I slowly people started approaching me asking me if they could join this WhatsApp group because they heard it was like academically beneficial. Um, so at the end of the year, we managed to reach around 50 aerospace engineering students, um, kind of helping each other out. Um, and that was really nice to see. And I thought if it's helping this small group of aerospace engineers, surely the wider faculty of um, engineering students would benefit from something like this. So I kind of thought of ways of how I could make it bigger, make it more at a larger scale and kind of reach as many people as possible. Um, so I kind of use that story when um, approaching the university to kind of try it, um, to kind of test it and trial it within the faculty. That's really interesting. So basically the WhatsApp group that you that you set up kind of unintentionally validated the idea that would become E2E. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the, like ideas develop from different ways. And, yeah, it's really interesting. That you, you kind of stumbled on this by accident and you saw you saw value there and you kind of grew from there. So you spoke to the, the program director and they were willing to take a shot on you, basically, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So where, where is it out right now? Um, so we're currently still at the alpha stage where we have a minimal viable product. So essentially what we've launched right now is a forum where Q&A could, Q Q could happen and lecturers could communicate with their students outside of the university in a really easy and collaborative way. And what we notice as well is lots of these like emails don't doesn't have the ability to embed code or to ask um equate ask a math question so if you wanted to ask a math questions or like a formula related um, question you'd have to take a picture of it but on our platform you can literally type it out as you would do when you're um coding or um so we have that embedded as well and um so an important tool that was really useful for lecturers is that they could kind of see how many students are struggling on that question based on number of views number of likes a number of um questions that and the types of questions that are being asked, and then they could then um, automatically change how they're explaining it the next day just by looking at the number of views that that question had. Um, so that this like instant live feedback loop was really useful for a lot of lecturers, which them which they found really helpful, and it really did help them avoid repeating answers to the same questions that students email them. So rather than having to um, 
repeat multiple questions, the lecturer will just refer the student to E2E to see the, the frequently asked questions there. If it hasn't been clarified, they will ask that question there and the students would collaborate as well on top of lecturers. Um, so yeah, we have around 31 support academics at the University of Bristol, including PhD students and TAs. Um, we have a further programming unit set up for um, first year electrical engineering students, which they found really helpful because it was good that they could kind of copy and, copy and paste code and the lecturer could automatically navigate where they went wrong on that code rather than them having to wait for an office hour. Um, and yeah, we managed, we were successful for um, the F Factor founders of the future um, regional winners of Southwest and Southeast um, pitch competition. And we managed to receive some funding from the new enterprise competition ideas and development stage, as well as Set Squared Backer Business Program. Um, so where we are at the moment is now that we've established a um, a now that we've established a um, customer um, problem solution fit we want to establish the product market fit so are we able to make this into a business are we able to expand to other universities to validate that it is not just a bristol university problem but um other universities are kind of having the same issues so our next plans is to expand to three other universities um in the uk to for the beta stage rollout to ensure that this is really a problem that people are willing to put money on and um yeah yeah it's really interesting and i think there is definitely a problem when it comes and there, yeah there's definitely um value in in peer-to-peer -peer learning and collaboration and you talked earlier on about how um there are mass there are loads of collaboration platforms and the the importance of collaboration is you know people realize it through other sort of industries and you talked about slack and google hangouts and stuff why do you think the education sector was so lacking before you guys before you know you saw a gap in the market because there wasn't that much collaboration why do you think in the education sector there isn't that level of collaboration because i from my research and from what i've seen is education is a two-step process you've got the delivery of education and then you've got how students actually receive it now the delivery of inf the delivery of information they're doing really well on that so you've got if you want to learn how to do the Fourier um, equation you can go on YouTube you can read a book you can go to university you can watch a tutorial or a course on YouTube but how do you actually know you really understood that and how would you communicate that to someone else so that area hasn't really been focused on focused on because for the past the past few the past years um, education has been about learning the material not necessarily knowing how to use it, but learning it is enough to get you where you want to be. But now we've reached a point where communication is just so vital, it's so important that um, if that's not being done and if the education sector is lacking in that area, then it becomes a really big issue um, in small things because you kind of see peer-to-peer -peer learning and networking in the workplace at university, in, but it's not really happened in a... In, in a um, streamlined sense it's all it's kind of like informal um so we're trying to kind of um establish the importance of peer-to-peer -peer learning and peer-to-peer -peer networking in a professional development um kind of way 
Um, so in a way, it's kind of like a social media for um, pro- professional development. I guess a lot of people listening um, may have an idea and and uh, they might be a bit earlier down, down the line than, than you. From researching you, it seems like the university and other support was really vital in your first sort of stages. How how important was the university in building ETE? Well, they were kind of the catalysts in a way, I would call it. Um, so even though I could have directly approached students and been like, okay, so guys, how do you think about signing up on this? And um, like I could direct all the what my WhatsApp group and all the other groups that I know, the study groups there is, direct them to that and kind of start it that way. But um, I kind of took a step back and I thought, so what is the best way to actually really approach this? And when I was doing my market research, I actually noticed that, hold on a minute, um, this isn't just a problem that students are having. Lecturers are really struggling to kind of reach out to their students and understand when they're learning and when they're not. And um, even though they're there to help, they're there to help students and and kind of... um, to improve their learning and engagement and student outcomes, but they don't have a means of doing that. Um, especially if they want to reach a lot of students at the same time, they may be able to reach two to three in like a month's time, but they wouldn't be able to reach the whole cohort of like 140 people. Um, so what I saw was that, because so I asked the lecturer, um, what do you do to get feedback from students? And one of them responded, they said that um, they use surveys at the end of the year. And I asked him, okay, so what do you do after you've collected the data, did the survey? He's like, oh, I just read it and leave it on the corner. So I thought to myself, like, um, wouldn't it be more valuable if we can kind of get this data from how students are learning and how they, and the common areas that they're struggling with or what they didn't really like with the the unit and kind of improve that systematically and kind of show that, on the dashboard of saying okay so we've got this cohort had problems with xyz you might want to revise your teaching methods this way and then um and then see how students respond to it and we could automatically provide feedback for that um so i i kind of saw that it wasn't just a student problem but it was a lecture problem as well so um i really did want to help both of these two e2 users um in the best way possible and um, kind of always go back to them and ask them, so what did you think about this? What did you like about this? What do you feel feel like is missing? Um, But yeah, um, yeah, universities are playing an important role. I feel like that's where I'm trying to tap in because um, with schools and high schools, they're kind of read, like well supported, um, but you you kind of are missing that at university. Once you start university, you're kind of all on your own you've got to figure out things out yourself you've got to solve your own problems and stuff like that so we really do need something like this to um help university students and improve their experience as a whole and and hopefully beyond as well so you seem massively motivated to solve this problem and i was just where does where does this motivation come from like what where do you think you kind of yeah what what makes you motivated what makes you tick to solve this problem growing up I kind of had the misconception that entrepreneurship was about inventing and I never really considered myself an inventor but 
rather than innovator because um, I always had this fascination for people and technology. And this kind of drives me to find new ways to bring um, valuable innovation to the masses, even if it's just repackaging something that hasn't been done in a way before and delivering it and creating value for the people using it. That kind of gives me a, a um, uh, like gratitude. And um, and kind of, I was sitting down in, lect- in the um, space systems lecturer and one of my colleagues um, sat next to me and he was like, um, so what made you start E2E? Because um, I think it's a really good idea and I found it really helpful. It really helped me with X, Y, Z. And I was like, wow, I didn't think that I would like so soon at this stage I would reach the point where people would be coming up to me and telling me that something that I've started is actually helping them. Um, and not just in terms of academics, but also confidence. Like it kind of makes them feel that um, they're not the only student stuck on that problem. And it gives them a sense of assurance that it's okay to not know things and it's okay to want to learn and ask questions. So um Again, going back to engineers, especially with engineering students, it can seem very like you have to figure it out or you shouldn't be an engineer. And it really shouldn't be that way. Um, and lots of, um, I kind of want to give them the um, confidence to say it's okay to not know things. It doesn't mean you, if you can't do this question, you don't have the ability to become a good engineer. You can actually gain skills and improve and kind of um once you understand, once another student explains that same concept to you, that concept to you that you didn't really understand from a lecturer, and you understand it, it is a lot more um, like rewarding in a way. And um, yeah, I think that the yeah the I feel like just the passion of wanting to make a contribution um, in any shape or form, even though um, ed tech is is like far away from my field because I I've been studying aerospace engineering for the past four years um but this problem kind of really did resonate with me and um I couldn't really do um nothing about it especially after witnessing its impact on my peers and I especially yeah I think that's a really nice story and it's, it's definitely something that motivates a lot of people but I think something that young entrepreneurs especially coming from our sort of I guess mathematical based backgrounds or science science based backgrounds see entrepreneurship as solving problems and it and it is about solving problems, but I guess a lot of people kind of get um kind of stuck in all the sort of data and um you know analytics side of things, but business fundamentally is about people and and convincing people and networking and yeah it's 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 I, I I would argue it's more about that that sort of side of things. So that's my kind of motivation as well, rather than just solving problems. So it's good to hear that you you kind of share that as well. There's this assumption that, okay, because you're doing engineering, surely you'd want to do something high tech, advanced, et cetera, et cetera. But that's really not the case. Sometimes it's usually the most simplest things. Like if you look at Airbnb, if you look at LinkedIn, if you look at um, all these other platforms and businesses, it's very subtle things that kind of make the biggest of difference. Sometimes less is more. And as long as you're focusing on the root problem, rather than just trying to create something for the sake of doing it, that's the only way you're actually creating value for people. But if you end up having something that's 
um, works in terms of the tech way, but people don't really need it, that's when you kind of find yourself in trouble. So it's, it's, um, so it's like um, hitting it at an angle where you're trying to solve a problem and not trying to create a problem to solve in a way. That's the best way I'd put it. How did you how did you learn that? How did you learn, you know, I guess quite early on that you have to build something based around a problem that you have to prove that it is a problem and not just kind of build a solution that doesn't solve anything? Um, I think it just came from I'd say it came from experience. I'm only twenty two years old, but um it did really come from experience. Um um what I would do um every um mornings where I would one day I kind of wrote a list down of everything that annoyed me from the moment I got up to the moment I went to bed whether it's in terms of transport or time or the, I don't know burning my toast or um anything at all and then um it's kind of like um and that kind of started the whole innovation fire inside me where I was like okay so this is annoying me um is it annoying a lot of other people no okay on to the next thing um and it's just looking at ways of um I I feel like it's just yeah it's just going (laughs) going around and um seeing all the problems that are going on in the world right now and trying to become the person um to solve it um sometimes that problem is not big enough of an issue sometimes it is but it's too it's bigger than you which is totally fine because you can take small steps or sometimes it's more like um what is it is it actually a problem or are you just trying to convince yourself it is because sometimes you could fall into the trap where surely this is a problem that I'm having everyone else needs to have it as well but um, you kind of need to be like true to yourself and take a step back and not really understand the situation and your environment and how people um, kind of um, adopt to everything. And then, yeah, just collecting all these things together. If it's anything, I have a mo- motto that says, um, you won't know if an idea is a bad idea unless you try it. And I've always been a risk taker ever since I was young. I would... Um, I I usually um, wasn't a fan of public speaking, so I decided to apply for um, some public speaking um, events where you kind of just go there and you just talk. Um, I had a fear of confrontation, and I decided if I think something and I want to go and confront someone about it, I'll have to do it straight away without a talk, without a second thought. And it's kind of like. Um, trying out things that you wouldn't usually do and kind of um, um, seeing how you respond to that thing. Because sometimes you'll end up being like, okay, I actually hate that. I don't want to do that ever again. Or you but like, hold on a minute. This is something I actually like. And what I found about me being an engineer, um, I'm very much a people's person. So even though I can understand the tech side of things, what I really, really like more is being able to explain that technical aspect of things to non-technical people. So it's kind of like connecting the engineering to the um, people. Um, So I feel like this really did help me with E2E because um, not only do I understand the tech side of things and the intricate like um, details, but I can also really 
like strip away all the technicalities and explain it in the most simplest way possible so anyone whether they're engineer or not would understand would understand it um so yeah once you really find that skill and that um passion that you have um you could do wonders yeah that's really great advice would you say that's kind of for our listeners would you say that's the biggest takeaway that you would give them yeah absolutely um don't really um don't be scared of failure i know you probably hear this billions of thousands of times but um failure is really the biggest lesson i was in second year i was applying for job applications i got five rejections I applied for other things and I kept on getting rejected, but um, I always stood back up and kind of, okay, and I thought to myself, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to try something different. Maybe I should do this in a different way. Maybe I should approach this. Um, So now it really has been working well for me. So um, it's not that everything has been smooth sailing and easy. No, things have been really tough. I wasn't sure whether engineering was the right degree for me. I wasn't sure whether I had what it took to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't sure I kind of was like sitting on the fence between business and engineering and um, innovation and entrepreneurship and um, it's kind of just like being able to blend that whole so taking the skills that I have in engineering taking the skills I have in in entrepreneurship and kind of identifying the gaps that I have and being and accepting and being like okay can I improve in this okay if not maybe I can have someone on the team that can complement my skills or etc. So it's just understanding that you can't be good at everything and you can't you can do you can do anything but you shouldn't do everything and you really want to streamline what you want to focus on what you want to what you want to be good at and um how you want to develop further from that. You talk you talked about team and I, I know there's a lot of like solo founders out there, but how, how important is gathering like a really good team around you? I was listening to a podcast this morning that says uh, that said um, hire slow and fire quickly because it is really in any startup, the team makes the majority part of the thing. The idea is a small part. Marketing is another small part, but the team essentially is the um is the core element that depends on the success or the failure of a startup. And um, you have to understand that it's a whole learning process for everyone. Um, I'm learning as a founder to communicate, to talk to people, to etc. And so I shouldn't really expect my team members to know everything as well. And just, it's all about communication at the end of the day. Um, the fundamentals of everything is um, communication if you're able to communicate okay this is what I require in my team this is how I'm going to find these people and if you notice that a team member is kind of like slacking or not doing their job correctly you kind of give them room to improve communicate what you expect from them and kind of um, allow them that space to learn as well because it's a learning process for everyone so having high expectations for your co-founder or for your team member and um in the process where you're all still learning at the same time isn't really fair so um yeah a a team is really important and having a good one of course (laughs) yeah yeah definitely (laughs) i think before before we kind of wrap up um where is where where does the future hold for you and your um your platform 
would it be safe to say I don't know <laughs> um yeah the, the 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 beauty of this is that it's so unpredictable one day you could be doing one thing and the next day you could be some doing something completely different um but in my five-year vision for E2E is that it becomes students academics and industries go-to platform to solve problems but also to connect um so if a industry person was looking for an engineering student or a student in stem that they wanted to hire or to solve a problem the first place that they would go is e2e and um if a lecturer wanted to partner with another research associate well, they, they would go to E2E for that. So it's kind of to become a um, the global engineering hub that is enhanced by technology and driven forward by conversation. Wow, yeah. I think that's an amazing note to, to finish on. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks for being with me today, Ilham. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Millennium Entrepreneur Podcast. I really do appreciate your support. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star rating, share with your friends if you want to, and definitely subscribe to not miss any more great episodes like this one. I've been your host, Sina Sadzada. I'll see you in the next episode.